0: Elmhurst College has been a long-time client. I've been doing video work for them for since like 2005 or something like that. I did one of their first videos before video was really big on the internet. Wow! They said, "Okay, we're gonna do a. We need to do a third. We're gonna do a 30-second movie theater spot and another video. So they're like two videos. There's that, and then like this. They're recruiting international students too. So the president wanted to have a." a video to go alongside him and show the camp and the reason why I bring that up is because one of the things that's really important for clients to understand is that when you're shooting for one thing you can be shooting for another thing and so where it Changes is in the edit. It really helps reduce the cost of production because production really is, it's probably the highest ticket item when you make a video. It right. requires the most skill and you have to capture what you got in a day or whatever, right. an hour or however long yeah. you want to do it. So we did two videos at one time and it just served multi purposes. I shot drone shots for both of those videos and I've been using them in subsequent videos since. That was like a day of of shooting for like six hours around campus, and I've used that footage in every video since. You know, that shows the impact of just one day of shooting, how you can multi-purpose it. Or what does the customer have to have in order to be able to help facilitate that idea? It's usually just one thing, like like I need to create a video for this, And then I say, don't forget, we can do all this other stuff that you can reuse. It's one of the big things that I offer is like that in the creative industry, typically people are like, well, once I create that, I I let you guys use that thing and I won't, I'll own the footage or whatever. Like if you want to license it again or whatever, like I, I just say, hey, I shoot something and I give it to the client. I can even give it to them on a hard drive usually like this client doesn't care they're like they don't want it because they don't want to have to manage that right Uh, so I'll manage that they're gonna call on me anyway to do the edits and because I know how valuable that footage is that we capture and can be used in multiple places uh, I just say it up front I tell people like you got to use this stuff for other things not so that's just that probably gets the, the ideas churning of oh then we can do other videos yeah. so that's how you get it going. Yeah, and it's a it's a win win situation <laughs> for me. You know, it's like it generates more post production business and more ideas, and then they planning, get more though, content. Right? But you need good or, or better planning helps. Yeah, I mean, better planning helps what what it's for, but generally, you ca- like the way I work. I'm just documenting their business and what they do. So and whatever it is actually for reduces the need for lots of planning because you're yeah, I'm just, just, capturing just capturing what's happening in stories what's happening and the visuals and yeah. all that sort of stuff cool. and then we we then then the story gets crafted in the edit suite which right. is also very important it, to me I think that's what separates me is I've got such a strong background in both production and post-production the craft of the storytelling that it just plays really well that's why I'm a good producer, I can produce something and know like in a, a shoot that okay what do I need to get and I can finesse it and finagle it in the post to, to get what I want and what the story I think needs to be told. So I was approached by Elmhurst to do a 30 second movie theater spot, you know those spots that run before your movies, yes. if you're a captive audience, I always thought that's a great way to market stuff. We kind of had a, an idea and it was more like, okay, we just, let's get some beautiful shots of the campus, things happening, sports, events, classes. And then what we would do is we would do a voiceover And we had the students read statements, which actually was also in conjunction with another project. We interviewed them and then we said, all right, now read this statement. And so then I cut those voices together to tell the story about what Elmhurst College is all about, what it offers, just to capture a feeling. It was inspirational music. That was it. You know, 30 seconds. Boom. Here's Elmhurst College in a nutshell. I got to go to see it projected to make sure everything was working out and I brought my laptop and I played this on this 4k projection screen at the York theater in downtown Elmhurst and so it was cool to like see the video that I shot it looked gorgeous so I got to see it hear the sound made a little couple tweaks to the sound just because that was one of my biggest concerns because it could be very boomy and there's a lot of different speakers and then I handed the high resolution file to the advertising company that does this and now it airs I think it's been airing for a while and I I think it's a really good good place for advertising now because people fast forward forward through commercials and it's very targeted so like theirs is airing at the York Theatre in downtown Elmhurst and then Yorktown Theatre in Lombard, so it's like right in that area. So Water Street Studios, one of the things when I started my company I really wanted to do was to, to give back whatever way I can. And I also think nonprofit stories in that space, those are the easiest tearjerker stories to tell. Probably why I, I thought about doing that is because the corporate clients that I worked for before, Sears, Seattle's Best Coffee, Sears in particular, a lot of the video work I did for them always had some charity tied into it. So it was to raise awareness for like Habitat for Humanity. I did a job with Ty Pennington. The other was uh, Do It Together or whatever again with Ty Pennington and Jess. This girl from Sports Center it was a community project that Sears would give things and they it was you know trying to show that Sears gives back to the community but it was feel good stuff and it was easy to tell that story and show that story I was like okay when I started my own business how can I I want to do that that's an easy way to showcase my work also you know show people what I can do so other people can see it and like it's a good way to get plugged into the community so Water Street, Richard, you said they wanted to create a video just to kind of use for fundraising purposes, tell the story, and you—they had done a video before, but I didn't think it was very good at all. I thought it was—it was very amateurish, and uh, that was just my opinion. You know, I, I've been in the business for a long time, so we had the conversation, sat down, and it was easy, I mean it tells itself basically. So I just had to set up interviews and I interviewed Richard and Danielle and, and Christine, some of the people, that the teachers and then I interviewed the resident artists. We'd sit down for an hour, I'd actually have them working and I would hang a mic on them and shoot them for an hour. I want to go back to that project actually and do little individual art stories. Right. Cause those were fun just to have them talk about their art. You know, a lot of that stuff fell on the cutting room floor cause it's just, there was just so much content that, that I just had to stay on task. So I, cr- the first thing we did was we created just a 30 second awareness thing. What is art and ha- had voiceover from the interviews of people just kind of saying what they think art is. And then cover that with B-roll of the artists working in this the, the space. But the main video was, it was just the story of everything that Water Street does. From events to resident artists to classes to community outreach. To, and so I filmed all the different things. They use that for awareness and for fundraising. And what video does is it's that quick story in that people don't want to pick up a piece of paper and read about you they would just sit there and be comfortable and watch and, and listen to the story so i think at the very least that's what that's done and so with water street and nonprofits, i've decided that i'm going to offer 50 percent discount on my services and that's how i get back they're easy stories to tell i can get plugged in and 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 I kind of work at you know in in that environment i can work at my own pace you know obviously i'm going to deliver things when it's needed but i can kind of stretch things out and not worry about typical production schedules which in the industry is usually like well you got a half day shoot or a full day shoot i'm like okay i'm kind of busting that up and i'm saying you know what i can go out for an hour and shoot i can go out for two hours and shoot and come back as long as it's not like downtown Chicago or something that eats up the day in the drive. I like to to work that way now and know that I can capture what I need to in that that hour or two hour time period rather than having to stick to what I kind of was raised in the industry you know which is full days and half day rates so and it makes it more affordable for for the project. Ideally in a perfect world we're going to capture everything in one day but I know that can't happen most of the time. You need to come back here and there and you need to figure out how to make it work for your client rather than trying to shove them into this this box that was created by the industry people's time is valuable too so they can only give me so much time if the client can be on my schedule and that means reasonable you know like i'm not trying to be unreasonable but you know family obligations other clients and things like that then things can be more affordable because they're on my schedule and with respect of theirs. I think that's the difference. Another important aspect is again, it's telling stories of smaller businesses. Video is a great way to sell your organization. Uh, It's the next best thing to being in front of them in person. I created a service where for about $1,500, I come in for about six hours of production And it doesn't have to be in one day, so that could be a couple hour interview to capture your story. You're going to tell me about your company, you're going to tell me about what you do. The other hours that I have in production, I'm going to go capture b b-roll. For example, Spillane Fire Protection, they do sprinkler systems. He's got a great story why he got into this business. He started out as a firefighter, Patrick did, and then started working on the side doing fire sprinkler inspections. So the sprinkler systems are supposed to be inspected, I think yearly, to make sure they're working properly in the event of a fire. So he was doing those inspections and and started into a side business and, and eventually became his business of installation of new places and old buildings and inspections. So he'll inspect like Walmart stores and and put in new sprinkler systems and new builds and then in updated buildings and things like that. So, But the story, why he even got into the firefighting business in general and sprinklers was around a massive fire. It was called the Queen of Angels fire. Like 90 something kids lost their lives because they couldn't get out of the, the building. His grandfather was a firefighter and they were watching backdraft one day his grandfather said something like all those faces and those bodies and so he was having a flashback during that movie to this, this fire because all these kids had died so so he was sitting there and remembered that and that kind of inspired him to do something about it and so he became a firefighter but if that school had had a sprinkler system no one would have died so nowadays actually very rarely except in older buildings, do you hear much about people dying in fires, or in their, in their homes maybe, because of fire sprinkler systems, things get put out pretty quickly. So I just wanted to tell that story, and it's a great story, and uh, that's why he does what he does, is because his grandfather, so he's very like passionate about why you need a fire sprinkler system, because it saves lives, period, it just does. And so we told that story, and he posted it on his Facebook wall. Oh, actually, prior to that, he had written about this story and I read about it. And I was like, ooh, man, you gotta tell that in video. So we we did that, we told it in video. It's got like 350,000 views or something like that because of that tie to a big event, which actually changed fire code throughout the country because of that incident. So schools and stuff are required to have fire sprinkler systems. If you can tie some sort of historical event or some sort of collective story to your company in some way, you have an immediate connection with, with that audience that remembers that. And, and I can say You're that excited. with the Depot Museum video that I did. It's a fundraiser video and it has over 30,000 views. And most of it is just because people, because of all the historical footage in there and all the interviews, people know these people from town, from Batavia. So it tells the history of Batavia in a nutshell and then, that then goes for the ask. Uh, so they use that now, that video at events and then I shared it on my Facebook page and then everyone shared it and it's got, yeah, like I said, over, th- and it's still being shared to this day because it's got this history. Of Batavia tied into in this historical event that people remember, and then they're they're tagging people that used to live here, and then they're like, "You remember this and remember that," and so again, that is a, if if you can do that, then that's a good way of of sharing video. So my job is just to take that all these disparate things that you have and what what you are, and put that into one cohesive story, and that's that's what I do in a nutshell. That's like as simplistic as, as it could be. So I'm editing your life. That's why I'm on this planet. You know, I would say as I'm a storyteller. So the Hope Handbook is a recent video that, that uh, I did for Elmhurst. And they have a program called the ELSA program, the Elmhurst Learning and Success Academy. It's for kids on the spectrum. So they're coming out of high school and what do you do? Uh, My stepdaughter is in a transition program through Mid-Valley, it's like this area. She goes to Wabonzi and then they go on field trips. So they're basically learning how to adult, which we all could use that. And so Elmhurst has a similar program. It's paid and they get a certificate at the end of it. And so one of the things that they wanna showcase is like you could get a job. That's part of it. The other part is Elmhurst also has an MBA program uh, and they have one of their MBAs is for supply chain management. So supply chain management is warehouse, everything from getting a raw good to a finished good and And where it gets, yeah, how it gets everywhere. It's very interesting and in that program they have a project at the end of it. And the teacher of it, his name's Tim Engstrom. And so I think he worked with his students to come up with this handbook on how to integrate a disabled workforce into a company. So that's what the Hope Handbook is. It's like the steps on how to integrate people. In the process of this, he was working at a company called Laco. And Laco is a manufacturer of plumbing, marking products and stuff. If you look on steel or whatever, and there's marks on there, that's probably from one of their products. And so they have a warehouse, and a lot of companies have been struggling with hiring because people don't want those jobs. For some reason, everybody wants to be an artist right? or whatever. They want to own the company, but uh, they don't want to do the work. So he's like, well, let's try and do this. Let's hire you know some people from Elmhurst, from the Elmhurst Learning and Success Academy. And now we've got this handbook. And then we've got the people from the ELSA program that can help us integrate these people in the workforce. And so basically the video is me... Going one day to go film interviews and them working in the workplace with all the key players. And it's a great story. It's, it's, it, again, it just tells itself. And so I shot way too much footage all day. It was me and an audio guy and, and we shot all these interviews and, and them working in the warehouse and cut together one video, which was just for Elsa. And then the other one was the Hope Handbook video, a longer video. And so, again, it just tells the story of what the hope handbook is, the various steps of it, uh, in in a an informal way, not in a formal like you're going to learn this, just to get companies thinking and inspired to potentially do this on their own. And so, I think it went off very successfully. Garrett, who's the internship coordinator at Elmhurst College for the ELSA program. He said the city of Elmhurst contacted him to to give a presentation on this because they saw that video. And so that he was presenting this to a lot of different companies. It's such a big story. How do you narrow it down and that's what I created was this video on what the story was I went in for a meeting this is what we do and so I'm taking all these pieces and so this style of filmmaking is we have a general they give me a general idea about what they want to tell and then through documentary type filmmaking and reality TV filmmaking you're just capturing the day you know you need to get these interviews and you know you've got these questions to ask so you do a few formal interviews and then you do informal stuff was just like tours hang a couple of microphones on the important people and then capture them talking throughout what they're doing throughout the day. And it just, that's what I've been doing for a while. Like I, I did reality TV for a while. So it was like people mic'd up all day for 12 hours, filming them. And so that's I take that kind of style and plop it into a story that needs to be told, and that's, and then it all comes together again in the edit. The interviews always are the backbone of everything. You watch any TV show out there; it's interview, interview, things happening, interview. Yeah. You tell the story through the interviews, and then you hopefully you capture some other things outside of what's happening. Yeah interactions and things. And then you lay that in over the top or in between. And when we're interviewing people, we're talking about what everybody does and what they're involved. This isn't, this is like, just tell me what you're doing right now, what we're doing right now. Just tell me what you're doing. And it's all going to come out naturally. And that's why I like shooting interviews and things like that is it's more natural. And I almost don't want to tell people what the questions are beforehand. Uh, Sometimes I do. I mean, just because I want them to be. If I can feel like an uneasiness in people, then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give them the questions. I'm all about having like one meeting about what this is about, what are we going to do, and then jump right into the production. In the production, in the telling of that story, we're going to have other things and other stories that may come up or whatever, and that's where I like to get messy and just like, and then later on, I know I can weave that however I want in post-production. It's like throwing everything at the wall in production, getting all the beautiful imagery in the story, and then then I go back and craft it like a pot or whatever, you know, I don't know. Like, you know what's crazy is like, I was talking to my son about like writing, and like just write, just write it, like write your story out, don't be, I can see you editing right now as you're writing, and that's just, that's why I've been a terrible writer in the past, I think I've gotten better at it is because I've taken that production mentality of just throw it all out there, get the stories and get it crafted beautifully, and then massage it later because you know you can do that later. Just let it go, and that's what that's kind of my approach to production. I mean, obviously, I got to plan a little bit, you know, if I need extra people, and but I know like what I'm gonna need. I know like okay, yeah, that's like that shoot in particular. I'm like. I need an audio guy with me because I can't there's way too many voices I need to have somebody recording and micing people up and I don't want to worry about that I want to worry about the story and the visual because if I can take out that technical side because audio is so important like my visuals it doesn't necessarily matter I can cover it with something else if I don't get good audio the kayak cart this guy they were buying a company that makes this kayak cart, and they needed marketing materials because this guy hadn't marketed for a while. Uh, and I thought it was a, the inventor, and so they bought it from this inventor, and. And they want to create a video to showcase this product. I just had them write the story, what it does, all the steps and things. And then I finessed the script and added visuals. And then I handed it to Richard. Richard finessed it a little bit more. And then in conjunction, we created a website. I did the voiceover, the music. Actually, I, that voiceover was unexpected. I just read it and then, and just a placeholder, but they kept me as a voiceover. And actually, I, I listened to them like, well, I sounded good that morning. When I do scratch reads, I try and read it how I think I want it read. That's why I do it. Yeah, so we just wrote the script and I put the visuals in. So we took a half day on a beautiful fall day in downtown Batavia. That And we just shot all the shots that I wanted to get and more, you know, and, and, and then I would just overlay all those shots into the script, it was a really quick edit. The, the beauty about scripting is it frees up more creativity in the production side, and then in the edit then goes really quick, whereas documentary, the edit takes a lot longer. Scripted stuff, boom, you're doing your editing up front. That's where like having a, a script is nice, because it, it does allow a little bit more relaxation in yeah. the production side for me. I could be a little more creative. And I think that one came together and then, you know, with that client at the same time, I can grab still photos too. That's again, what separates me, I think from other production companies out there and people is usually they're just doing the one thing. Whereas for small businesses, I'm a great option because I can say, hey, at the same time, we're going to get the same thing in still, high quality images and still photography and video. And you can use that for all kinds of stuff. It's a little bit post-production, a little bit like, okay, maybe the production day will be an extra hour or whatever. For me, it's not really that much extra. What separates a lower-end production company from a high-end production company is knowing when to use techniques, when to use what, why what's the motivation of it and not just throw drone shots at everything just because you have it I mean you'll notice like in that one it's there's only like a couple drone shots at the end it served the purpose to show the the river and the the scope and building up and the orchard is uh my church I still call my church home they bought a new building in downtown aurora on 100 South River and I had been doing some videos and there's this whole transition where we sold a church and the west side of Aurora a giant complex because we want to build a church in downtown Aurora to become part of the community and so we bought this building and it's a cool old building my pastor and I we wanted to unveil the the fact that we did this they everybody in the, the community knew that we were looking for certain things but we didn't know what building it was. And so when it finally went through, we did a video to unveil it to the church and the community. It was just him talking to camera in downtown Aurora, telling the story of how we got to this place. And then at the end of it, you sh- we showed it, you know. We sh- so I used drone shots, which is appropriate, you know. The drone shots in downtown Aurora. and But it shows the bones of the building and the potential. I and mean, that was it. And I've been doing videos with them since I started my business and before. Really just storytelling videos. Just to tell the story what the orchard's all about. Who the people are that, that go to the orchard. So-, so through story, that's how you connect with people. And story is... I mean, that's what religion is all about right it's all about stories and telling stories through the Bible this cuts the core of who people are those are my favorite clients those are the people that I want to work with that's why I called my company Bullfand. Fan. passion is built in I've, I've worked in the corporate world where you've got one person that just started that has to tell the story of this brand. The, the only stories that I ever enjoyed on the corporate side were when there was some sort of story being told around it, how this product affects this person or a testimonial or whatever. And it's got to be some sort of passion. There's got to be like, so Maison Sabica is a restaurant in Naperville that's been around for I think over thirty years. It's like a mansion. It's basically, it's an institution in Naperville. It's been there so long, and people know it. People have weddings and events there, and but they have a restaurant. They have a fantastic patio, and it's like a, it's kind of like a tapas place. It's Spanish mm-hmm. style. And so the food is, is served uh, you know, more for sharing and stuff. And so they're updating their website and needed photography for it. And they reached out to me. Early in my career, I was shooting in restaurants and I did a travel show for PBS. I was shooting with chefs in kitchens around the world and on cruise ships and things. In Chicago, I was shooting 190 North, which was restaurants and, and travel, leisure, restaurant kind of stuff. And I love that because you're selling people experiences. And so they wanted to shoot some photos and so it was really easy, you know, it's like I'm very inexpensive when it comes to food photography or just photography and when you're working with a chef, they're going to always want to bring it out as a nice plate anyway. It's going to look pretty, so it makes it easy. I don't need a food stylist. So I just set up on their patio and, and shot probably like 30 or 40 different dishes that day in different areas and nice backlighting and nice backgrounds. And f- So for restaurants, you know, I go out for three hours, shoot a ton of photos and then edit them and send them back. I mean, that's like a no-brainer for a restaurant. For me to come out and capture their thing, they're using it for social media, they're using it for their website, print, anything.